welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You are joined, as always, by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello, Zara McDonald, and hello, producer Annabelle Lee. Hello. Hello. Coming up on today's show, Mish watched The Idol, so you don't have to. <laughs> so, what does she actually think? I am, for one, very excited to find out. <laughs> Plus, Leo and Gigi seem to be back on again, but the press is also getting a bit confused by it all. Amy Schumer has an issue with all those celebrities on Ozempic. Another bizarre celebrity couple enters the cosmos. And then Jennifer Coolidge's advice for life. But first, Michelle, how was your week? It was a good week, guys. Most of all, because we raised $30,000 for Sacred Heart Mission's Women's House. Anyone who listened to last week's episode would know that this time last week, we put some charity merch jumpers on sale Now, we always, Zara, when we do charity merch, donate Shameless Media's entire cut, which is $10 per jumper, to charity. The charity we chose this year was the St Kilda Women's House, which protects women from homelessness. I can't believe we sold almost 3,000 jumpers in a day. Yeah, thank you so much to everybody who bought a jumper. I know they are spectacularly warm and comfy, but it means a lot to us that you support our charity merch every single time we do it. $30,000 is no small feat to be raising. So thank you so, so much. It's the best kind of merch and we're very, very grateful. Yeah, there are like a couple of sizes floating around. I think there are like... 16 jumpers left. 16 (laughs) jumpers left in very limited sizes as well. We will put the link to shop those in our show notes. It's on Sweater Club's website. Click on get the last 16 before they run out. Yeah, 100%. I reckon they're probably all gone by the end of this (laughs) sentence. Tell me, do you have a recommendation for me? I do, and I'm excited about it. But my father, Paul Andrews, who randomly has been mentioned on this podcast like every week for three weeks running... (laughs) told me that it's already been recommended on the show so I'm a little nervous. It's called Love and Death. It's on Binge with Elizabeth Olsen. I'd love to know who's recommended it on the show. I've watched this show. I was like was it me? Yeah. Maybe on our newsletter someone else recommended it. Okay. It sounds like a you recommendation Annabelle though I know nothing about it. Tell me about it Michelle. It is a drama that is based on a true crime story from the 1970s and 80s with an affair at the very heart of it. This is interesting to me because you're not very into true crime at all. In fact, you avoid it like the play. Something's happened to me. I last week recommended Mother's Guilt podcast about the Kathleen Folbig story. And I enjoyed that so much. I was like, maybe my little anxious heart is ready for some true crime stuff again. So it's with Elizabeth Olsen at the centre. Yes. And she is magnificent. Annabelle, if you've watched it, did you like it? I loved it. I just love everything Elizabeth Olsen is in. Also, Jesse Plemons is the husband of Kirsten Dunst. And he's in this as well. He's he's the love interest. He's the lover. Oh. And it is not what, as opposed to the love age. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's well, they both cheat on their partners, their neighbors. Is this a spoiler? No, no, no. I think it's in like you know when you click on binge and it's got a one line synopsis of the yeah, show. Okay. I'm pretty sure it opens with two church going neighbors have an affair and dot dot dot. Like, How many episodes? It's six, I believe. Annabelle, I'm four episodes in. It is. I would say one of the quirkier dramas I've seen. Oh, I'm not in the mood for quirky. <laughs> you should be. Should I, I? I would give this close to a 10 out of 10 so far. The Ooh. acting is brilliant. The writing is brilliant. 
I've just got into the bit, Annabelle, where the crime comes in. So oh, I, nice. Maybe Four my, episodes in. <laughs> maybe my anxious heart won't actually no, cope that well. No, you'll be fine. Put your edgy hat on. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? I have actually quite a bit to talk to you about for all my week in terms of my recommendations. So I will go through them bang, bang, bang. The first, I don't know if that's a saying. Did or, that work? No. It was really cool. It worked a little bit more with my hand gestures, yeah. but no one's saying that. You know what I think it was? The cadence. I think if we went bang, bang, bang. Better than too bang, slow. bang. <laughs> yeah, which is to say, actually, I'll move through these quite slowly. <laughs> the first thing I want to recommend is an episode of Long Form that I listened to this week. I have been a long-term long-form listener. It, it's kind of an interview podcast where they essentially interview writers. They also, over the years, have extended to filmmakers as well. But it's been a while since I've listened and I think there's nothing more joyous than re-stumbling on a show that you used to love and being like, why did I ever stop listening to this? I was about to say, I remember you recommending Long Form a lot in the like first year of doing Shameless. So the episode that I think you in particular, Michelle, would love is an interview with the writer Amy Chozik. Amy Chozik wrote that profile of Elizabeth Holmes that you recommended about a month ago on the podcast. That I loved and the entire internet hated. Yeah, the internet really didn't like it and the whole episode is about that basically like what it's like to write something and put it out into the ether and the world just come and hate you for it well I love you Amy (laughs) and she gives a lot of background on how she got the story about what she thinks about Elizabeth Holmes I still am firmly in your camp Mish which is I am very confused by the backlash if I'm totally honest I think it was an important profile. I think if anyone else had the opportunity to profile Elizabeth Holmes, they would have jumped at it. They would have jumped at it, especially considering she hadn't spoken publicly since 2016. This is like not a woman who's constantly been given a platform time and time again. This is a woman who's had content made about her consistently over the last seven years. And this was her first time to speak, which I think is totally valid. A hundred percent. This caused so much unrest in the upper echelons of the New York Times that people like New York Times journalists were leaking stories and internal emails to the media after it was published. Yeah, Twitter had a field day. What I will say that's really interesting to listen to is I think that this was recorded very soon after it was published. It's very interesting to listen to someone who says that they're not phased by the drama (laughs) and, you know, the backlash and say, you know what, it's fine, it just happens, but just as equally later in the sentence, you know, maybe give away the fact that they were a bit phased by it and it's like that real cognitive dissonance that a lot of us have to be like, well, one part of me isn't phased but actually internally I think this has troubled me a little bit. It's like the pragmatic journalist side of yourself competing with the emotional side of yourself. Correct. The second thing that I'd love to recommend is a column that Harling Ross wrote in her latest newsletter. I've recommended the newsletter before. This recent column I absolutely adore. It is called What Good personal style has in common I feel like the older I get and I don't know about you guys but like the more time I spend thinking about my personal style Mm. and like it sounds kind of shallow but I don't think it is like the image that you want to put out to the world I find fashion quite creative so for me it's an exercise in creativity and what I want that to be but one thing I've really struggled with in the last year when it comes to good personal style or working out what my personal style is is like I don't feel
feel like I have a whole range of consistency with my outfits. Ah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like sometimes I want to be like really fun and colorful and other times I want to be a bit more muted sexy and classy. <laughs> yeah, I actually never really go sexy, but that's, that's for another time. Every time I dress sexy, I have a slight identity crisis. <laughs> Can I do this? Yeah, I'm like, is this Is this me? me? <laughs> and she opened the piece by saying there's a pervasive idea that consistency is the hallmark of good personal style. The logic being that some degree of thematic sameness suggests you truly know what your style is and can therefore replicate it in perpetuity. And that got me in straight away because I feel like a lot of people would feel that to be like, do I have to have a uniform Mm. in order to have good personal style? And she's basically arguing no, but good personal style does have these three things. Yeah, I read this and I also loved it. So I'm glad you brought it to the table. Yeah, I just, I think if there's anyone to follow for these kinds of pieces on personal style and fashion, Harling Ross is right up there. Agree. The last thing I wanted to quickly talk to you about, sorry, oh the God, final she's, bang. She's final oh, bang. We got to the last bang. <laughs> we went bang, bang, <laughs> and now we're at bang. bang. <laughs> <laughs> the last bang. I quite like that. Um, now, I wonder, Michelle, are you an Adams Min Drake? Always, always. <laughs> I need to be self-aware about this. Two, oh. two different parts of it. Okay. Firstly, this was not my are you an Adams Min Drake. <gasps> you weren't in the office the other day and some of the girls were talking about this and I didn't know this and I was like there's no way you know this either where was I you were working from home oh I was off sick a lot of people in the office did know this did so I know this was I here you knew this okay um so <laughs> wow great memory Annabelle <laughs> so for the purpose of this I appreciate there'll be lots of listeners being like I know that but I'm asking Michelle Andrews if she's in need of some and I think she will are you ready Yes. Did you watch, the reason that this came about is I also watched that brilliant Actors on Actors with Ellen Pompeo and Catherine Heigl. I watched snippets on TikTok. The whole thing is amazing. Sorry, this is not a recommendation. It is amazing. I watched it from start to finish. Definitely watch it. And so we in the office were talking about Grey's Anatomy. I didn't realise in our team we have some massive Grey's Anatomy stands. We also have like massive spin-off stands, like private practice stands. And in light of that, we started talking about Kate Walsh, who of course, is from Grey's Anatomy, who is on private practice. Also, Emily in Paris. Mm -hmm. I know you're an Emily in Paris fan. She's the boss, the American boss in Emily in Paris. Mm. Yes. And then someone said, do you know about Kate Walsh's fiancé? No. I've got another normie love story for you. (laughs) Heck yes. So Kate Walsh met her Australian (gasps) farmer, (gasps) fiancé. Farmer's wife. Andrew Dixon, no, in Antarctica on a cruise at the beginning of 2020. Random. Random. A month later decided because of COVID and stuff that she would fly to Perth to his farm to stay there with him, to be there with him. We all know what happened in COVID. Perth got shut off from the world. Western Australia got shut off from <laughs> the world. I thought you were about to say everyone like fell in love with each other really quick or no. something. But yes, Perth did get shut off like it was another country. 1,000%. She stayed there. She's never left. <gasps> Kate Walsh lives like <laughs> with her Australian farming husband on the outskirts of Perth. How did they shoot Emily in Paris? I thought that was all happening in COVID time. Oh, it must have been. Oh, she must have been able to fly. I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> Actually, have we found a WA exemption? <laughs> no, I, I mean, that's a great question I do have holes in the story but I thought that that was something I definitely didn't know I didn't know that Kate Walsh basically lived in and around Perth so Kate Walsh is a believer that West is best that is she is to be honest I'm sometimes a believer that West is best and one thing I'm trying to get across right now is he's a farmer and the farm is two hours out of Perth I think she lives on the farm I don't know if it's full-time but she definitely lives on the farm 
How interesting. And a farmer was on a cruise in Antarctica? Yeah. Sounds fake, but it's true. (laughs) I love it. They are are engaged. She accidentally announced the engagement on an Instagram live. He walked in the background and she's like, there's my fiance. And then they were like, we hadn't told the world that. And then he just in the background went, no. Oh, (laughs) bless. 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 Anyway, so that's my Are You Anita Smith trick today. I will still poll everyone tomorrow to work out who knew that. That is quite niche if I do say so myself. I just think our office has a particularly niche interest in Grey's Anatomy. That was the best bang of all the bangs. Was it? Yeah. Best, I yeah. thought it had some good bangs. I actually thought your best bang was the Amy Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, well, we have, bang. A, bit, we have a bit of love for Harling Ross. <laughs> anyway, shall we get into the first segment of the show? Because you watch The Idol, so nobody else has to. And I am very interested in what you have to say. <sighs> Guys, I did the homework, so you never have to. So some backstory for anyone who might have forgotten about the controversy surrounding this TV series. The Idol is the brainchild of three men. (laughs) Shock. (laughs) The first man is world famous singer The Weeknd. The second man is the creator of Euphoria, Sam Levinson. The third man is someone referred to blurrily as former nightlife entrepreneur Reza Fahim. Right. So I think Reza owns some nightclubs. Maybe some strip clubs. Don't know. Not quite clear. Now, these three men created what is essentially euphoria on steroids. The crux of the idol is it's a show about a young, sexy female pop star named Jocelyn. Jocelyn is played by Johnny Depp's daughter, Lily Rose Depp. Her character is sexual and mysterious. She also has mummy issues. Mummy issues? Not daddy issues. They've really mixed it up, guys. So this this is sort of like three men sitting around a table thinking, how can we be subversive? And it's like, it's not going to be daddy issues. Let's do mummy issues. Exactly. So she's reeling from the death of her mother. It's with that backdrop that she meets a man named Tedros Tedros. (laughs) Yes, Tedros Tedros played by The Weeknd. Now, there's more than just those two names that are involved, though. There are a lot of big stars behind this. Troy Sivan, Australia's Troy Sivan, is one of the side characters. Jenny Kim from Blackpink also has a role, as do Dan Levy and Hank Azaria. Now, to create the show, these three men decided they would give the director's job to a woman named Amy Simons. Who, and when we spoke about this on the show a couple of months ago, when all of the controversy around the Ida was coming out, seemed very qualified, more than qualified for the job. Very qualified, has directed shows for HBO before that have been very successful. Only when 80% of the work was done, and apparently all episodes but the finale were filmed, (laughs) Amy walked off the job. Because, apparently, The Weeknd and Sam Levinson decided they needed to scrap the at least $54 million worth of work to start again. Because, according to reporting at the time, The Weeknd felt the show was too heavily showcasing, and I quote, a female perspective, and he wanted more time on screen for his character to be balanced with that of Lily Rose Depp. Tedros, Tedros. (laughs) We've had enough of Tedros, Tedros. Which I need One to say Tedros as well. Enough. <laughs> Ted- Tedros. Tedros, Tedros has a rat's tail. Yeah. I just, oh, I've seen the photos. <laughs> I almost feel like that's everything you need to know about his character. So the show and the production of the show begin again. 
Then in March 2023, Rolling Stone published that expose that we spoke about here on the show where more than a dozen cast and crew anonymously spoke. They spilled the beans and they essentially said the idol had devolved into a complete disaster. At that point, it wasn't even clear when the show would come out, if the show would come out, what was going on. What was clear was that the original script had been scrapped and replaced with what the cast and crew were referring to as torture porn. Yeah, and I think this is when simultaneously everyone's interest peaked but also collapsed because it was like, this sounds bizarre, but now this show is getting so much publicity. Do we really need to see what it's all about? Yeah, and that was when The weekend published that extremely mature tweet saying, Rolling Stone, did we upset you or something <laughs> like that? And then shared a clip of the worst acting ever. I forgot about that, yes. So that's the backdrop. Yeah. Everyone's question has been, does the reality of this show match the nightmarish stuff that was written about online. I have watched both episodes in full with my partner and I have lots of thoughts. I think the first thought I want to tell the listeners is what is so sad about this show is that you can see what could have been. First of all, Lily Rose Depp is sensational. I is she say. a really good actress? I really, I think she's got it. Really? Is it je ne sais quoi? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. She's She's got that. Uh, if you want my accent, je ne sais quoi. <laughs> <laughs> Frenchie Zara. Uh, yeah, no, she's got it. Where she's just kind of electric on screen. You love to watch her. I think actually one culture commentator with the username Culture Elixir summed it up really well on Twitter when he wrote, you can see the crumbs of what the show could have been. Lily Rose Depp is great, but can only do so much with what she's been given. Ouch. And what she's been given is such sexualized content. It's too much even for me. Really? The listeners know I love a sex scene. Yes, they know do. I love raunchy little things on my screen. This is so over the top it's annoying how much sex is in the first two episodes it's not even just the sex it's the nudity as well right i feel like i almost know what lily rose depp's breasts look like more than my own at this stage right. she's topless for so much of this show where every other man is covered up completely even when she's having sex or engaging in foreplay the weekend fully clothed lily rose depp wearing right. hardly anything so it's not like the weekend's walking around as well no i don't know what, i don't know what the weekend's nipples look like at all oh. so he's like he doesn't even take his shirt off but lily rose depp i mean it even opens with her topless i think within the first five minutes maybe of episode one which of course is fine like i have no issue with that my issue is the show's sex content gets in the way of the storyline i don't even know like what it's is almost it like about? watching a soft porn. Yeah. And Lily Rose Depp is such a talent. It's like the three men behind this show couldn't deal with it not being a porno. It's not like the only way that they knew how to create an edgy, smart show was through sex. Like, is that all they actually knew? It feels that way for sure. And it feels like they've really fumbled the bag because you look at it and the actual narrative arc of a young sexy female pop star finding her way, muddling her way through post a mental health crisis is so interesting. It really does feel very heavily influenced by Britney Spears in the mid noughties, I yeah. would say. For them to not do more with that, I feel like that is such a ripe idea for an incredible TV show. It's just 
disappointing and I'm disappointed that I even felt that way when I watched it. I truly wanted to be the person sitting there going, come on guys, like what do you mean too much sex content? We're all adults here. Like we can (laughs) deal with it. We can deal with gritty things. But you watch it and you realize it's not just bang on. It's a terrible move for the weekend's career. Well, that's the other thing that I've been wondering because I do feel like I'm a massive fan of the weekend's music. I'm not a huge music buff, but I do really like his stuff and I do feel like he is like supremely talented. Mm. And I do find it interesting. I mean, I think what we talk about sometimes on the show is that it is courageous for people who have already had a lot of success in one area of their career to say, no, I'm going to try something else and see how I go. Yeah, Courageous with a little dash of arrogance (laughs) sometimes. But here I think it's probably driven by ego more than anything, right? And as you say, I think you said it perfectly when you said it feels like they've fumbled the bag. Yeah, well, I feel like this is one of the most colossal career missteps that I have seen from a celebrity since we've done this show. I cannot for the life of me figure out why The Weeknd wanted to do this. Work behind the scenes, I get that. To make himself the star of the show when, sorry, he's not a very good actor. (laughs) But also he's playing one of the most unlikable characters I can remember on screen. I just don't understand why he's done this. Is this all part of the sort of rebrand though? Like, you know how The Weeknd actually is not even going to be going by The Weeknd very soon when he's creating music. So I do wonder if this is part of some like big surprising I'm not who you think I am. (laughs) Rebrand? If it is, he's got it so wrong. Because the thing for me is like, he's not just a bad actor, at least in this. Maybe he'll improve. The scenes with him in it are some of the cringiest scenes I have ever seen. I actually like, so it's not just me who thinks this. GQ declared the weekend sex scene in episode two as, and I quote, the worst sex scene in history. Oh, God. (laughs) Can I... I actually want to read you just like a couple of lines from this sex scene that The Weeknd reads out. And guys, <laughs> a trigger note for anyone with small ears nearby. Or read- even just my mother. <laughs> <laughs> and also our parents. Yeah. Maybe skip this bit. I just really want to read you out some of the stuff that The Weeknd says. Okay. <laughs> I'm quite nervous here. <laughs> I'm actually... Okay, maybe we need to beep some of this out. I'm we sure. never have to beep on this show. <laughs> Okay, just three quick things. Okay, at one point... Bang, bang, bang. Three three lines. Bang, bang, bang. (laughs) Okay, the first one is he's like standing across the room from Lily Rose Depp and she's writhing around on a bed, so turned on by what he's saying to her that she's like climaxing. Right. From words. From these words. (laughs) Make that throat wet for me. (laughs) (laughs) That's bang one. And the next one... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is second this one the same scene? Second one. Yeah, this is all the same oh scene. This God. is all said within maybe 15 seconds of each other. I want to grab you by the ass while I suffocate you with my cock. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the, sil- the sort of the laughter silence kind of said it all. And then the, the last one that unfortunately for the weekend... Everyone has screenshot his face with this caption across the screen and it is genuinely giving me such intense ick. I'm struggling to deal with it days later. Yeah, fucking stretch that tiny little pussy. <laughs> oh, oh, I find that just yuck. It's so bad. This is the thing for a show that was supposed to be so sexy. It is the biggest turnoff of any show I've watched. One out of ten. 
It does make you wonder, like, are these the experiences they're having that they're putting in the art? <laughs> but also, I'm not defending the show. I haven't seen it. And I'm not defending these three men. Go for it. This but- is un- unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe it's the point. Maybe they're trying to make some sort of point about the industry. I also watched a TikTok last night that was defending the show, saying that perhaps it's been don't worry darlingified, in that all the negative coverage made critics and viewers see the film in a different way. Because I watched that film and I quite liked it and thought, what a shame. I think all the negative coverage changed people's perception of the film. Do you think if this show, The Idol, just came out regularly and Sam didn't have this reputation, it would have been somewhat enjoyed by people? I wanted to watch it and think that. Like, Mm. I wanted to come to this and be like, God, we're so negative these days. Can't we just deal with this content? And they were always willing to jump on a bandwagon. Yeah, I also like Don't Worry Darling. I don't think this is that. I think this is genuinely really bad content. And I think as well, maybe we also have the tendency that when men create bad things to go, maybe it's ahead of our time. (laughs) Maybe it's ahead of our time and like they're satirizing themselves or something. Or making a broader point that I don't understand. Yeah, I don't think it's beyond us. I think it's beneath us. Oh, boom, (laughs) end it there. That's a bang, 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 bang. (laughs) (laughs) Why did you (laughs) want to stop the recording? We're not done, Zara. (laughs) We're so happy with that one. She reached across. Bang, bang. Stop the mic drop. She's like, no more than 25 (laughs) minutes for today. We've done the best episode possible. I don't know why I did that. (laughs) It's like the most podcasting daggy mic drop ever to try and turn off the machine after you have a call. Anyway, no more. A plus. (laughs) Time for a word from today's sponsor. And now it's time for the quick and dirty. Every week we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. Oh, this will be good. Zara. Oh, God. Now the pressure's yeah. on. <laughs> Zara, one line of McDonald's. That's bad. <laughs> what but hey, for? better to have one than none. <laughs> what have you got Is, is that two? <laughs> My first story. Leo and Gigi again and again. That is from Lainey Gossip. So I feel very much that... While Leo and Gigi, Leonardo DiCaprio and Gigi Hadid might be trying to be chill and throw us off the scent, it seems very much like they're still kind of on and dating. Mm. Have you guys seen the pap photos of them around? Yeah. So they haven't ever been papped together, but I feel like over the last month or two, they've definitely been papped walking into the same places like a few minutes apart. Now, what I found really fascinating about this story is that tabloids have been very confused about who Leonardo DiCaprio Mm. has been dating. Now, in the last week or two, they've absolutely run with the story that Leo was back dating another really young model, this time a 22-year-old called Megan Roach. He's been spotted with her a few times over the last month or so. Anyway, they're only hanging out because she is dating one of Leo's really good friends, the singer Badius, and has been for over a year. They're just cropping him out of the photos and then saying Leo's new 22-year-old love. How brutal. Poor Badius. And I also have to say, like... As much as I've said on the show, this will not be the hill I will die on. I do feel slightly sorry for Leo that every woman he is around, he is connected to. So I feel like those headlines, particularly the ones about Megan Roach, have been distracting from the fact that Leo and Gigi may well have never stopped seeing each other. Well, they were first connected in September last year. I just in my head, maybe because of the reporting, just figured that it was only a very quick thing that lasted a few weeks and then they saw other people. But... 
now it's looking more and more like maybe they've been dating that entire time or been on again, off again. For example, last week, TMZ papped the both of them going into the same venues in London just a couple of minutes apart each time. Yeah, so there was one night they were spotted like twice in the same place. The first was at a dinner party reportedly organised, by the way, by Edwin Ennenfall for 20 of his nearest and dearest. Mm. I do find that fact interesting just as a by-the-by, given what we spoke about with Edward Ennenfall and the reports that Anna Winter was trying to turf him out of British Vogue. Mm. Not surprising to me that he would want to get 20 of his most powerful friends in a room and say... We're all mates, yeah, aren't we? 100%. Anyway, so they were spotted there and you might be thinking, okay, well, nothing to that because there was a whole group of people. Well, that same night they were also spotted walking into a different venue a few minutes apart. He was with his dad and stepmom and she was with a friend who I think was another model called Neelam Gill. Sounds like from what I've been reading that she was likely having dinner with his parents and maybe some friends. Yeah, it seems that way. Otherwise, it's a bit of a coincidence. Funnily enough, TMZ seems to be the only tabloid speaking any sense or getting this right. Many other publications are now just starting to report that Leo is seeing Neelam Gill, ignoring the fact that Neelam was with Gigi and we know that Leo and Gigi dated, so why are we cutting Gigi out of the picture? That's what's so confusing for me. I mean, how's this line from Daily Mail? This actually made me laugh quite a lot. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio found himself in an awkward position on Tuesday after he took his father and stepmother out to dinner only to choose a spot where one former and one rumoured current love interest were visiting. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, clearly still with Gigi or they're back together. Yeah, I think so. But I love that it's like, well, no, he must be connected to every model in the room and it must be so awkward for him. I actually kind of like these two together. You like Gigi and Leo? Yeah. I think Gigi could do so yeah, much better. Yeah, true. <laughs> I don't mind it as a short thing. Maybe Maxie. Yeah. Who would we want for Gigi? I like Gigi quite a bit. I would want the best for her. Like a hotshot entrepreneur. I see a hot late 20-something in her short to immediate term future. Not this person, obviously, but like someone like Elliot Gray. Elliot Gray! Yeah. But now it feels like any time we're trying to set anyone up with anyone, we're like, someone like Elliot Gray. <laughs> <laughs> someone we've never met ever. <laughs> Our second story, Amy Schumer slams other stars for lying about being on Ozempic. That's from CNN. Yeah, lots of people are talking about quotes that Amy Schumer gave Andy Cohen when she went on his talk show Watch What Happens Live last week. The conversation opened with Andy Cohen saying this. I'm obsessed with looking at red carpets these days and looking at how everyone is on Ozempic. How is this landing with you? To that, Amy Schumer admitted that last year she actually was on Ozempic for a bit. She said, a year ago I tried it. You know, you try it. And I was one of the people who was so sick on it that I couldn't play with my son. I was so skinny, but it was like, okay, this isn't livable for me. But now with everybody lying, everyone's like, oh, smaller portions. Like, shut the fuck up. You're on Ozempic. All you got work done. Just stop. Be real with the people. When I got lipo, I was like, I got lipo, okay? Yeah. How interesting is this? It feels like Ozempic's gone from zero to 100 really, really quickly. And when I say zero to 100, I mean conversations around it. Like this was something I'd never heard of, I reckon, last year. Yeah. And now it is the conversation that kind of dominates Hollywood. I'm interested in that quote, like just be real with people. Do you think every celebrity owes it? Um, an explanation? You know what? Actually, I think 
always a funny word, but I think it would be better for people to be honest. It would be cool for people to be honest, but I think I find with quotes like this from Amy, and I, I respect that she told everyone that she got lipo, but it wasn't like she was telling people she was on Ozempic last year. Yeah, I think great it's point. easier to be honest about things when you're not doing it anymore. Well, it's easy to tell your story once you're through it yes. with hindsight rather than when you're in the middle of it muddling your way through. Yeah, and if a celebrity comes out, I mean, first of all, we know and we've spoken about on this show the many layers that come with injecting yourself with Ozempic. I mean, diabetics and a bunch of people need Ozempic for medical reasons. And some of these celebrities, I think we can categorically say, probably don't medically need to be on Ozempic. And we did have a shortage. I just don't see celebrities being honest about it when they're actively using it. I mean, I'm looking at a lot of Real Housewives. I'm looking at a lot of reality stars, a lot of people on red carpets. And we know, we know they're on Ozempic because their bodies have completely changed in the space of a few months. If they came out and said that, the condemnation would be so wild and all the anger about the Ozempic stuff and all the anger about body image stuff would be focused on these individual celebrities. Who's putting themselves up for that? Like, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, it'll be the kind of thing in five to ten years that they'll start putting in their memoirs. Yes, That we'll hear about with hindsight. Our third story, who is cooking up these wild celebrity couples? That is from The Cut. You guys seen the news around that milkshake singer Kellis and actor Bill Murray are apparently a thing. This is so random. Spectacularly random. Now, Kellis is 43, Bill is 72, and the news first broke via The Sun. Now, often, you know, I'm not sold with The Sun and their reporting, but they did break the Maddie Healy, Taylor Swift dating rumours the other month. They did. They're on it. They've got strong form in the last few <laughs> weeks. Here's what they reported. Hollywood superstar Bill Murray has struck up an unlikely romance with milkshake singer Kellis, who was almost 30 years his junior. The Ghostbusters actor watched the mum of three perform from the side of the stage in London last weekend, having also been spotted at her other recent shows. For what it's worth, Bill Murray has quite the reputation rap sheet at the moment. I think that's the fairest way I can call it. I mean, I don't think it's ever really a good sign when Vanity Fair are publishing this about you, as they did at the end of last year. Everyone who has publicly accused Bill Murray of misconduct. (laughs) Oh, no. Just a long list. So he's hardly, reportedly, allegedly a stand-up guy. Mm. But... I also didn't know that Kellis lost her husband to stomach cancer last year. Did she? Yeah, which is really, really tragic. So for my mind, Bill Murray, you know, whatever, I can take or leave with, you know, that long rap sheet of allegations. But with Kellis in that story, I'm not really one to sit here and sort of... Tell her who to love. Yeah, or what to do. Yeah, her Instagram comments have been flooded with people wanting answers. In one comment, a fan wrote, care to address these Bill Murray allegations? To which she replied, lol, no, babe, I wouldn't bother at all. (laughs) Interesting. I quite like that. Now, in another, which I think has been deleted, but I've seen screenshots of it in media reports, someone was being kind of mean to her about the reporting of her dating Bill Murray. And so she responded to that, lol, yeah, maybe for now everyone's dumb and will believe anything, but the best part is we are both blessed, rich and happy. So who's really laughing? Now that's funny. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) We are both blessed, rich and happy. I mean, can you ask for much more? (laughs) We can't. Look, I'll give her a green pass because she's been through some stuff. I don't know if I would accept that. Do you think they're dating? I don't. 
No, I think the pairing of them in the sun is so niche and random. I don't even know if we've ever muttered the names Kellis and Bill Murray on this show in five and a half years. Correct. Do I think they're plucking that out of thin air? It's too random and they're not A-list enough at the moment for that to be a report unless it's factual for me. I think that's a good summation, Annabelle. No, but if they are dating, it's like, where do they meet? How are their circles like <laughs> coming together? Yeah, I, I think you're right, Michelle. I actually think they are dating, but probably quite casually at the moment. Very odd. Yeah. Our fourth story, TikTok's latest obsession, beige flags. That is from Time Magazine. <sighs> Guys, we know that we have green flags. We know that there are red flags. I'm... Almost sure that last year a lot of people on TikTok were talking about amber flags, but now we've also got beige flags. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it doesn't entirely make sense to me, but I have been enjoying the TikToks that I've been watching about them. Same. I have loved the TikToks about it. I think the main distinction, if you're confused, of course, a green flag is a sign that you should be with someone or they're a really good person. Tick, tick. An amber flag is is a sign that maybe you should leave or not be in that person's life? I would say, I mean, my interpretation of amber flags is like on its way to being red. Yes. It's like it could be a red flag. It could be a deal breaker. Red is obviously just like no go zone, (laughs) complete deal breaker. A beige flag is something I think my interpretation is that you don't necessarily love about someone, but it's nowhere near serious enough to consider leaving them. You love them in spite of it. Yes. It's quirky. It's quite. It's, it's a quirk that you, might give you the ick slightly. Oh, but I also <laughs> think sometimes you love it about them because it makes them them. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> no. Should we, we've got some examples. Should we give the listeners some examples that we found on TikTok? Yeah, absolutely. And these went super viral. These went super viral. One that we loved was my beige flag is that I literally cannot accept that cash is money. Cash is a coupon. Bought my coffee with cash. It was free. Paid in cash. Also free. If I cannot see the dollar amount, leave my bank account, then no money was spent. This is such a Gen Z thing because I used to feel the inverse when I was growing up. I feel this now. Do you not feel this now? I feel this now with cash, but I used to feel the opposite way. I used to feel if I paid for something with a card, that was fake money. Real cash was real money. I think I've always felt like this. The thing is, the other week I went to a cafe and they accidentally double charged me. And so they gave me like a refund but instead of putting it back on my card they gave me cash and I was so flat because I was like don't pretend this is the same thing you've double double charged me and then given me this little bit of paper that I can't use (laughs) the value is wildly different yeah Yeah, exactly there was another one that I quite liked which was my boyfriend's beige flag is that he sets timers instead of alarms it's midnight and he needs to wake up at six he'll set a six hour timer look I know I said at the top of this that maybe sometimes you love these people for these things I wouldn't love that I really hate that. Another one we loved was, and I find this so relatable, my boyfriend's beige flag is that he's so unbothered he never asks for details. His best friend broke up with his girlfriend. Why? He didn't ask. His sister got a new job. Where? He doesn't know. (laughs) (laughs) That is so relatable. It is very relatable. Absolutely. So with that in mind... 
What are your big flags <laughs> about ourselves? You're you're leading into the microphone, Annabelle, like you've got a few. <laughs> I could think of so many about myself. The one that was top of mind because every Tuesday I go to trivia with my friends and we order like pub food. I every week get so excited every time the waiter comes out with plates of food and it's not ours. <laughs> and I'll be like, I'll get everyone excited and all my friends will be like, stop it. That is embarrassing. It's annoying. Yeah. It's really annoying. I My beige flag at the moment is I never drove that much. Like uh, my partner and I share a car and he has not been driving because he's been getting the train into the city recently. So I've been driving and I never realised that I was one of those people that drives cars into the ground and doesn't refill them with petrol. So that whenever he gets in the car now... It's empty. It's completely (laughs) empty. And I just didn't expect this of myself. But I look at it and every time I think I could fill up right now or I could just (laughs) go home. so close to a petrol (laughs) station. I live next door to a petrol station. (laughs) There is like literally no excuse. But the thought of pulling in and filling it up rather than driving into my garage and just getting into my apartment I just can't think about it you and I are similar that way I will drive my car until I don't think it could go another kilometer without petrol Mitch fills up with like 100 k's left in the tank oh wow and I find that annoying I'm like you're wasting our time that's that's, his beige flag (laughs) that's inefficient and I would say that's a beige flag as well yeah I've got one about myself Mm -hmm. it's also related to driving so I was worried we were gonna have the same one Mine is that no matter where I'm going and no matter how familiar uh, I am with that she destination, uses a map. I put maps on. I just have to. If I'm going two minutes down the road to the supermarket, I'm still putting it in my maps just in case a road <laughs> is closed and I want to know about that. Yeah, you do it all the time to the point where I think it was like a year ago you kept calling me being like, oh my God, the traffic must be so bad on the way to work. (laughs) It keeps blowing out. Like it keeps like adding two minutes to the destination every 500 meters I drive. And I'm like, because we drive a similar route and I'm like, traffic hasn't been that bad. And you kept calling me being like, it's getting worse and worse and worse. (laughs) Turns out you'd put the wrong address in. So you were driving the opposite way. So the car was telling you it kept, obviously it kept getting longer. Yes. No, I did put a suburb on the opposite side of the city in my map. But I have to do it. I don't know. It's just like I just need to know no matter how many times I've been to that spot. Ollie has a big beige flag. Sorry. I'm just going <laughs> to You were going to say red as well. Yeah. <laughs> Are oh, you guys okay? <laughs> you tell me. I wonder if you'll... Uh, nah, it's a pretty low-key one. I find that when he does cleaning, he will do like the whole clean 99% of the way there. So let's say the whole kitchen needs to be cleaned. He'll clean it all, spick and span, and then there'll just be like the foil left on the kitchen bench. And I'm like, if you're going to do it... Do every <laughs> single thing. Oh, that's quite good. I've got one for Mitch, but he's going to feel totally roasted because I, 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 I do bring this up with him. He often either doesn't pull out his shirt collar. He just puts no. his shirt so on. So many people do <laughs> this. Leaves it. Like, no. He doesn't even try to like pull it out. The other one is when he puts hair, like it's not hair gel. It's I that know, clay, moosey, that yeah. hair clay stuff. He often puts it in so haphazardly. But they're a little chunks. There's little balls of clay. I actually think that's just a general beige flag for men. So many men do that. Oh, my God. Zara's beige flag. I've got one more. Oh, Oh, we're still going. (laughs) You walk into oncoming traffic Uh. all the time. If we ever hear that Zara's died, it's because she just... 
heads off onto the road without looking. But I think that's kind of cute and quirky. <laughs> like there's it's an beige. There's an element of fearlessness about that that I don't mind. And our fifth and final story, Jennifer Coolidge's tip to combat self-doubt is timeless and exactly what we'd expect from her. That is from Pedestrian. Yeah, guys, the star of The White Lotus, also Legally Blonde. I feel like her role in Legally Blonde doesn't get enough hype. And a Cinderella story. And a Cinderella <laughs> story. Yeah, true. Now, she was on stage at Sydney's Vivid Festival on the weekend she was seated alongside the creator of White Lotus, Mike White. The pair spoke about everything you would expect from creating one of the most successful shows of the last five years to fame and stardom and creativity. But at one point, they were also asked about self-doubt and how they deal with it. Yeah, I love this story so much. Jennifer Coolidge's response is now gaining traction on TikTok. We would play you a snippet, but the recording is quite echoey in this massive, big auditorium. So we'll read you the quotes instead. And I think my favorite quotes always start with this. And this is what she said. I am going to get a lot of hell for saying this. I just want to put it out there. This is going to be something I might regret saying. (laughs) I'm hooked. As soon as someone says that, I'm like, give it to me. Onwards, take us away, Michelle. Yeah, she then said, I think one of the best things to cure self-doubt is just to go to really bad stuff. I'm talking about plays you hear that are terrible, go to them. There are shows on television that are terrible, watch them. This idea for curing self-doubt by going to like terrible things came to Jennifer Coolidge when she was actually in college and says that she hated herself. She went to a production of the stage show Oliver and says it was so bad that, and I quote, it was like the seas parted. (laughs) (laughs) I love that so much. I mean, it's a controversial comment, but I don't mind it. Sometimes watching really good stuff all the time, people, you know, who are doing stuff constantly that you you admire, there's a fine line between inspiration and intimidation. Yeah, 100%. And she said that. She said, I felt like I had a chance in this world when I watched that production. Don't watch the good stuff. The good stuff is just intimidating. And you're like... How could I ever fucking do that? I think when we only consume stuff that's brilliant, it gives us almost like performance paralysis to be like, I couldn't possibly compete with that, so I'm not even going to try. If you see someone sucking, it gives you license to be like, I could probably do that a little better. (laughs) It's so funny because the top comment on this TikTok video, which we loved was, this is true. I was having trouble connecting with my character. I was feeling like shit. So I stopped and watched The Idol. I was about (laughs) to say, Mish, is that why you watch The Idol? If this isn't a full full circle episode, I don't know what is. I just love that piece of advice. I know it's controversial, but I feel like it's accurate and I think it's effective. Let's make space for controversial pieces of advice. Yes, I actually think Your Safe Friday will put up a question box. What is your most controversial life advice? Oh, God, that's going to take some serious moderation. (laughs) (laughs) Let's put aside a few hours for that. I can't wait, though. Guys, that is all we've got time for today. Yeah, thank you so much. As always, click follow on your podcast app. That is what helps us climb up the charts and find new listeners or tell a friend that you listened to the show and you enjoyed it. Annabelle, anything to add? No. What about following us on social? Yeah, follow us on... uh, (laughs) Did you already say TikTok? Sorry, I kind of blanked out for a second. Your eyes glazed over. I sometimes tune out at the end as well. We got Instagram. We got Instagram. We got TikTok. Come follow us there. We uh, we can't wait to see you there. (laughs) Back in your ears on Monday. Bye. Bang, bang,
Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.